Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Midwife Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of honest expert chats. My mission is to provide you with the very best support and information through pregnancy, birth and beyond with my online courses over at midwifepip.com. And as a podcast listener, I'm also offering you an exclusive 15% off all my online courses using code PODCAST15. With no further ado, let's get chatting. Infant feeding is one of the first things on a new parent's mind. It is such a fundamental part of the fourth trimester. Whether you choose to breastfeed, combination feed or formula feed, you and your baby are learning a whole new skill that can take a little time and patience to get to grips with. Knowing what to expect, how to work out if your feeding journey is going well, and common conditions to keep an eye out for, such as jaundice, can make you feel more confident and prepared as you navigate the early weeks with your little one. On this week's episode, I am joined by the wonderful Dr. Shruti Nathwani. Dr. Shruti is a NHS paediatrician and host of the platform at The Children's Medic, which is linked in the episode description, so you can get lots more paediatric information and wisdom over there. Knowing there's a gap in knowledge and support that parents receive upon the arrival of their newborn, she set out to try and inform parents with evidence-based information and tips. And Dr. Shruti says that it's when she had her own son that she realised there were so many questions as a new parent and not enough support to go around, which is something I completely echo. She covers topics such as reflux, newborn stools, eczema, developmental milestones, and much, much more on both her Instagram page and her website, which is www.thechildrensmedic.com. So welcome, Shruti, and thank you so much for joining me today. I know you are one busy lady. Thank you for having me. I'm, I so echo what you, what you said when you sent me over your kind of introduction. There is just not enough support, is there, for new parents? It's like this crazy no. unknown club that you're suddenly plunged into. Absolutely. And I know lots of people compare the UK with countries like France and states where they feel a little bit more supported. But ultimately, we um, have the NHS, which is brilliant in many ways. But also it's a resource depleted system. So where we would otherwise have, you know, a bit more time with new parents, new mums, we don't. And, and that's where we're left to our own devices a bit. And it, 
scary, really scary. It is, isn't it? Because you so passionately want to do it right. But you're like, I have no idea what is the right thing to do. And yeah. I find I find that interesting. Like, obviously, you're you're a doctor. I'm a midwife. We both had children. And we were both like, what are we doing? We don't know what we're doing. So how on earth does anyone else know what they're doing? And we know where to sort of find sort of, you know, evidence-based and real information. But it's still just a whirlwind, isn't it? Absolutely. Now, I just wonder, with all the avenues in medicine, what made you decide to specialise in paediatrics? I'm sure this is a question you get all the time. It's actually a funny story because I wanted to be a paediatrician since the age of eight. Ah, it's like you're calling in life. (laughs) I was a bit of a strange eight-year-old knowing what what I wanted to do so early on. Um, But I think I've always had sort of a connection with children and wanted to care for them and just felt at ease around them. Um, and that then went into being in a family full of medics um, and, and just seeing uh, how helpful doctors can be. But ultimately, children are brilliant. They put you at ease. They're resilient. And even when they're really unwell and it's very, very sad, you know, there's always a bit of hope because they are so strong and so resilient. Um, and it's an energizing field to be in because they're full of energy. Um, so it's brilliant. And that's why I chose it. I love that. And also, I guess, being a paediatric doctor, you always know whether you're doing a good job or not, because children are brutally honest, aren't they? So, you know, if you weren't a good doctor to them that day, they were going to tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I I love the honesty. I love I love the little comments that come my way and all will always um, enjoy the little cards and things that are made for us. And I think it's just honestly the sweetest thing. Oh, I love that. You've def- definitely found your your calling in life. Now, I feel like after labor and birth you know you find like you're pregnant it's like focus 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 is on labor and birth getting through pregnancy getting yeah. this baby out but then like the next massive anxiety and that kind of wave of parenting seems to be infant feeding um, oh, yeah. and we we know as healthcare professionals that almost 68 percent of women in the uk start breastfeeding but by six weeks that's dropped off to around 45 to 50 percent how do you think we can better support parents at this time? Because I'm aware as a midwife, yeah. often the reason that women um, stop breastfeeding isn't that they don't want to anymore. Or it doesn't suit their family. It's because they've had a hiccup. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. Breastfeeding is massively challenging. And the support, like we said earlier, isn't really there. Yeah, I think this is a really tricky question in that, as I mentioned, we are in a resource depleted system. So ideally have your baby you're on the ward and you get support in those first 48 hours someone just physically being there present showing you with a bit of time and patience how to get your baby to latch now some people may have experienced this some people would say no chance I had a c-section knew where I um, gave birth so worked at the time but there was a lactation nurse in and around So I specifically asked her, I had to ask four or five times before she came. When she came, she didn't really have much time. So one, a lactation nurse, that's not, you know, not all hospitals have them. That's all down to funding. It's all down to areas. Secondly, if they are there, they're going to be in high demand um, and they may not have that time that you necessarily need. And then the last thing is, you know, it's a system. They're trying to get patients in and patients out as quickly as possible so you know they try to discharge me 24 hours post the c-section and you know there's no support in the initial period and I think that is sad but also we have to understand that that's just how it is for now what can we do to sort of improve that 
I mean, as soon as you go home, if you can be around your parents, like uh, your mum, who's also breastfed and can help you and can support you and show you, then that's brilliant. If you've got friends or other family members that can be there when you're trying to breastfeed and you're comfortable with them, take that help. If um, funding or resources, finances allow, I always say invest in an appointment, a face-to-face one, if possible, with a lactation consultant. Because that little bit of money that you put in will mean, at the beginning, will mean that you may have a longer breastfeeding journey later. And don't wait. So if you're struggling the first few weeks, get that help. Because what you'll find is if you wait too long in the initial period, the, the, the chances of success drastically reduce. And I'm talking from my own personal experience um, where I, I needed a lot of support and help and I didn't necessarily go and get it as soon as I should have. So that would be my biggest um, tip to parents. I love that. And actually, um, the wonderful Stacey Zimmels came on season two of the podcast and we spoke similarly about that that early kind of quite quite invasive, I suppose, support in those first few days is so, so critical. And also, I think the fourth trimester and things like infant feeding, we really need to start thinking about preparing for and, and, and sort of thinking about those realistic expectations and tips and tricks in the antenatal period, if possible. Um, that kind of third trimester self will really appreciate you, your sort of fourth trimester self, sorry, will really appreciate that help from your third trimester self if you spent some time researching, you know, having little pictures in your in your net by your nursing chair that show you what a positive latch looks like. So actually you can yeah. compare it at the time, things like that, just to get your, your knowledge up. So it's not a complete new phenomenon. If you want to breastfeed once your little one's here. Yeah, absolutely. And I obviously echo that, but it's difficult because when you're pregnant, you're trying to focus on being calm, being healthy during that pregnancy. And it's a lot in itself. And I think women want to prepare as much as possible but may not have the bandwidth to um and you know you talk about what you spend your money on and you know if someone says to me tomorrow what would you buy your best friend my best friend who is actually currently pregnant you know as a baby shower gift and I would put that money into meals breastfeeding support whatever you know tailor it to that fourth trimester and I think that applies to if if you're listening to this and you know someone that's pregnant or you're pregnant that's yourself vocalize that and say actually I might want that support later I might not just need all these clothes and all this you know all these toys maybe what's really worth my my money and my time is is someone like a lactation consultant so it's just about being aware that they're even available and people like that exist and then just you know if you can't prepare mentally whilst you're pregnant just saying to your friends and family if you want to get me something I think this might be something I may need Oh, I love that. That is a brilliant baby shower gift. And yeah, and everyone wants to get you something useful, don't they, when you're having a baby. Yeah. But actually, you don't need like 100 grey baby grows with matching hats because they're, <laughs> they're, they're, within two weeks, your baby's outgrowing them anyway. Something like that is so much more, more helpful. Absolutely. I love that. That's a good, good idea. I'm going to take that one moving forward as well. <laughs> Now we know, and I sort of mentioned already that infant feeding can be challenging. And I think when we think about breastfeeding specifically, because it's such a natural thing, we kind of expect it almost to happen naturally and easily, but often it's the complete opposite. Um, And although it is natural, it is challenging. And certainly myself, I had thankfully quite a straightforward breastfeeding journey to start with with Finley. 
But what I didn't realize was how uncomfortable it was in those first couple of weeks. And I have said, and I have to apologize to all the women I've spoke to in my career, where I've said, oh, if it's painful, then your baby's not latched properly. Because actually, even with a really well-latched baby, when your breasts are uh, kind of getting used to a baby feeding every couple of hours for a really long time, that is not comfortable to start with. And that was something that really surprised me with a, as a midwife of lots of infant feeding experience. I just wonder what some of the kind of challenges that you experience or that you've seen in your profession in those early kind of days and weeks. So what you're exactly saying is education. Why do people not talk about the fact that it may hurt? Yes, pain that lasts for a while is not normal, might indicate something's wrong. But the initial, if you're a new mum and that's the first time a baby is sucking on your nipple, you, I remember thinking, God, you've really got to break them in. Like you've really got to, they've got to go through a bit of wear and tear before, you know, they become strong enough to handle such a strong suck because babies have got a really good strong suck. It's like um, a new pair of shoes, isn't it? <laughs> you have to wear them in for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and, you know, just knowing that, that little snippet of information that this might hurt initially if it does continue then maybe something wrong but initially it might hurt um knowing that gives you confidence empowering yourself with a bit of knowledge gives you confidence and then it's I would say there are lots of issues and I'll go into them but my main um feeling in around this is as a new mum I don't know why we're all feeling it but we're all feeling quite insecure most of us and um it doesn't take much to knock our confidence and it doesn't take much for us to blame ourselves for something that's gone wrong or is going wrong. So, and that applies to the breastfeeding journey. I mean, the number of mums, if I say so common issues, uh, jaundice, weight loss, uh, tongue tie, and which all are interconnected, by the way. But if I see a mum, a pediatric baby, and uh, say, for example, the baby's lost a bit of weight and a little bit of weight can be normal, but, you know, that we have our parameters, don't we? Um, their confidence gets knocked, they're thinking, my boobs aren't producing enough milk, I'm not doing this right, I can't do this, I need to give formula, I need to, I need to make sure my baby's okay, I need to just fix this. And that's okay, and that's um, and a sort of like a normal reaction, but it's our job as healthcare professionals to say, actually, let me have a look at your latch, let's see what's going on, let's see if you actually have milk, or that's, you know, if that's the issue or that's not. And just so you know, um, this is, you know, we expect, you know, the weight loss to improve by this much after you've done this many feeds and this amount of milk should go in but we want to protect your breastfeeding journey and encourage it as much as possible so confidence is a, is a big one and then knowing that things like jaundice and weight loss and tongue tie can happen uh, and do happen and you know we talk about tongue tie all the time because it seems to be so common these days um but it's about saying I want this breastfeeding journey to continue I need to get some help I need to see if this latch is correct. I need someone to look at the tongue properly to see if there's something that needs to be done there. Um, and then when it comes to weight loss and jaundice, you know, if you come, midwives and helpers just tend to refer babies into pediatric A&E. If you, you know, you don't have to specify that, you know, I want to continue breastfeeding. I need to protect that at all costs because, because we usually know that and do try and maintain that. But try and be vocal. Try and say, this is what I'm doing and I want to try and protect my breastfeeding journey. And I think, those are sort of the things to look out for and that's the way to advocate for yourself I think I love what you touched on there Shruti about that confidence thing because one of the things when I teach sort of antenatal courses one of the things when we talk about infant feeding so many women say to me oh you know I really hope I can breastfeed or 
you know, postnatally, they'll say, I haven't got enough milk. And that it comes down to confidence, doesn't it? It's for some reason we doubt in our body's ability. And I think we need to really start unpicking that and change the conversation and actually instead say, I know that breastfeeding probably is going to be challenging. I know I'm going to need help with it, but there's no reason why I can't do it. I'm just going to need to have that help and support and accept there are going to be challenges along the way rather than this constant self-doubt that there's something wrong with us. Because actually the vast, vast majority of women, it's only a really small amount of women that truly don't produce enough milk to meet their baby's needs. And there's so many things we can in, we can do to encourage supply, but we just automatically think, and cluster feeding is a common one, isn't it? And um, I don't know about you, but when I see mums who are going through that normal cluster feeding phase, they always say, oh, my baby's too hungry. I'm not producing enough milk. So I'm going to stop breastfeeding. When actually, if they knew that was completely normal physiology, they could then accept that and get, get through that phase and understand that's super, super, super normal and a really good sign of a healthy breastfeeding journey as opposed to a complication. <laughs> We're just taking a quick pause from this episode so that I can share with you a brand that I know you're going to love as much as I do. My Little Finley is growing up fast and is almost on the move which means it's now time to start making our home safe for him. Did you know that every single week, at least one child under five years of age dies in an accident, 75% of which happen in their own home? I think this is terrifying. And this is why the team at Cheeky Rascals offer a variety of products that not only help make parents' lives easier, but are also the safest on the market, including brands like Love to Dream, Rocket, and the Fred Baby Proofing Safety Range, which has everything you need to keep your little ones safe and your mind at ease. I want to support you to make your home safer for your little one and prevent them coming to any harm. So Cheeky Rascals are sponsoring this podcast and offering you 15% off Fred safety products using the code midwifepip15. Yeah, and I think, you know, what's the difference between now and years and years and years ago? And now we have that option of formula. And, you know, there are times that formula milk will help a baby, will be so useful, will be everything that that baby needs. And then there are times where you don't necessarily need to introduce it yet and it's been introduced too early or someone's not really listened to that mum and what her needs really are and before you know it you know top up formulas milk uh, feeds have been given and that that individual just because they haven't managed to advocate just because they're not really sure what to do or they're not they're not really in the know will go with it because they're just listening to the advice in and around them and mums want knowledge they're not just sitting there saying I'll just you know I'll just do what I'm supposed to do they want to know why they're doing it they want to know how they can do it better um, and everyone's trying to learn so I think correct information evidence-based information that's our responsibility as healthcare professionals to share that as much as possible and I think that's why you're doing what you're doing on your page with your courses and that's why I'm here on Instagram in all my spare free time <laughs> trying to make sure that that bit of doubt that moment as a mum where you're like there's something wrong with me doesn't happen because it's an awful feeling and new mums I mean it's my absolute passion has to be protected yeah oh I love that that's yeah such such an important message now we touched a little bit about newborn jaundice and we know as 
as people that work with babies, that sort of physiological newborn jaundice is quite common. Can you explain to anyone listening kind of what jaundice actually is, why it happens? Yeah. And you know what? Every time I talk about jaundice, I have to have notes up because it's complex and I need to break it down, make it simple. But ultimately, jaundice is caused by something called bilirubin, which is a breakdown product of red cells. To make it very easy for those that are listening, newborns have a lot of red cells. The turnover is high, so they break down quicker, which means that that bilirubin level, which causes the yellowing of the eyes and the skin, um, that's higher as well. And, you know, not many people know much about jaundice, but there's jaundice that's worrying, just to keep it simple, and then there's jaundice that's not worrying. And I think that's what we need to kind of get into a bit here today, just so you know, when you're looking at your baby, what the pos- possible, you know, options are, or what the possible causes are. Yeah, definitely. That's really helpful. And when when does the sort of normal jaundice, I suppose, become something that we are concerned about? Is there anything parents can look out for with that? So I guess I'll get... I'll, go and just talk about the two sort of red flags of the times I'm worried about babies if I see jaundice in the first 24 hours I think something's going on that means something within the body of that baby something's happening there and jaundice that is prolonged so it lasts longer than two weeks again I'd want to investigate do some blood tests see why is that happening but where is jaundice considered you know physiological where is it considered to be something that's quite common happens in lots of newborns and that's where it sort of occurs around day three to four and does tend to a lot of times self-resolve by around two weeks of age. And why does that happen? And it's because on one hand, you know, newborns are producing a lot of that pigment bilirubin, but they've also got livers that haven't really, they're mature, but they're just maturing in the first few weeks. And the liver's job is to help get rid of that bilirubin. So by the first two weeks, the liver starts to mature properly. And that bilirubin, the bilirubin levels tend to go down. And, and, you know, most cases of jaundice will then tend to resolve in those few weeks. That makes perfect sense. So it's something I guess parents need to keep an eye out for, but be reassured that actually the healthcare professionals around them are keeping an eye out for too. And it doesn't always mean that there's a problem or that there's an issue with your feeding journey. It can also be normal and reassuring. And just so you know, if you see your health visitor of midwife and they say your baby looks really jaundice, you need to go now into paediatric A&E. I think in you know, my, my normal paediatric A&E shifts, we'll see so many babies coming in like that. Not all of them will be kept in for treatment, just so just because I know it's scary being sent to A&E and you're, I don't know, day two and you've just you're still tired from your birth and you're coming in. You know, A&E is a very loud, confusing and scary place. So just don't try not to worry too much and just know that a lot of those babies get seen to have a quick blood test um feeding is reviewed a bit of a history is taken and a lot of them do tend to just come back home that's really reassuring especially in that postnatal period like you say when your hormones are all over the place those kind of scares are, are really difficult as a new mum so that's really really reassuring I also wonder Shruti are there any things that can make a baby more likely to develop jaundice than perhaps another yeah. is there anything we can do to perhaps reduce the risk of jaundice in our babies so the jaundice that comes on in the first 24 hours and the jaundice that's prolonged after two weeks, that's sort of not within your control. Um, and then physiological, physiological jaundice is just because the baby systems are a bit immature. Again, there's nothing much you can do about that. But there is a jaundice called suboptimal feeding jaundice. Now, what does that mean? That means that this usually happens in exclusively breastfed babies, and it means that they're not getting enough of the milk in. So there's a bit of undernutrition there. There's not enough in terms of calorie intake and 
everything I mean everything is focused around feeding because that feeding can be the solution to the jaundice believe it or not and it's powerful it's about looking at that baby and seeing why aren't they feeding is that latch correct is mum okay has she got any health concerns and just supporting that feeding journey are they are they putting baby to the breast often enough and what we tend to say is you know you've got to get that baby on and it's got to be frequent frequent feeds and what's happening is the more feed that's going in the more you're helping your baby pastel and excreting that bilirubin so you're basically flushing it out the system Mm, that's really helpful too and again comes down to mums feeling confident and supported to to do their feeding journey however that might might be for them and I anyone that comes on I always ask for three top tips but before I ask your top tips I know that you run some newborn illness web um, illness webinars that sound amazing what sort of things do you touch in those I know you've given us loads of awesome information about jaundice today but I think for for new parents, it's really useful to have a bit of an understanding about common things that might crop up. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss, plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, so I talk about tongue tie. I talk about things like reflux and colic because I think they're um, phenomenally difficult to manage and diagnose. Uh, Simple things like a temperature. You know, we all know when a baby has a temperature, they've got an infection, but we don't all know what to do, what's worrying, even how to measure the temperature properly in the first instance. Um, so I cover lots of those of those topics and it's brilliant because I tend to do a bit of a Q&A at the end. Um, and I've got a recording on my website that you can purchase because I know not everyone can attend webinars on, at fixed you know, times and on a specific day. That's amazing. And yeah, I think having information about things like you said, tongue, like tongue ties, super, super common, isn't it? And can cause all sorts of complications to a feeding journey. So I think having the confidence about, you know, those conversations to have to make sure you get it assessed, diagnosed, corrected, if that's appropriate, ahead of time is is really useful too. Now, Shruti, would you be able to give us your three top tips? Now, I know you've probably got like 303 top tips, um, but let's try and keep it to three. For any new or expectant parents, um, for those kind of early days or weeks, either as a paediatrician or as a a mum yourself. Yeah. My number one tip would be ask for help. And I always say this, if anyone ever asks me, that's, that's just my go-to. Um, if your gut instinct, which you have, it doesn't matter how early on you are as a mum, you have it, mm. is saying something doesn't feel right, I don't feel right, or something's wrong here. It doesn't matter how trivial it seems to you, follow through with it. Because even if you end up with a, with a contact with a healthcare professional and all you receive on the other end is just reassurance that that's normal, imagine what you've just done in that process you have learned what is normal and it is a learning process so you can't be afraid to go in there and just say I'm not sure what's going on don't feel like you're wasting anyone's time get seen because in the rare cases something's wrong you've gone and and sought help early on and the earlier you seek help for a little one the better because they tend you know without worrying anyone they can they can tend to get worse quickly so if you think something's wrong that would go and get help that would be my number one tip I think number two 
go easy on yourself. I don't know what the need is to do so much and um, have such high standards or to put so much pressure on yourself as a, as a new parent. And I don't know whether that's because we're in this sort of, um, you know, era where we all compare contrast on social media it's not real let's be honest it's not real half the time um and, and try and stay away from that comparison focus on your journey how it's going for you because you might be the source of individual that's anxiety pro, um, prone and therefore you know lots of different things are making you more anxious you might be the source of individual who just does not take breastfeeding or like it at all so be kind to yourself just it's okay to say actually this isn't for me I don't want this. I can't do it because you've got to protect your mental health. And that leads me to my third point. If you're feeling low and as new mums, majority of us feel low. That is normal. There are hormones there. But if you're feeling low and it's persisting and it's not, you know, it's not feeling right for you. You're having thoughts that just don't feel like you go and get support. You um, are in and amongst many women that feel this way. Do not start to think something's wrong with me. This is just me. Lots of us feel that way. Um, so please don't ever feel alone in that new journey as a mum. It's isolating. But just remember in those, during the middle of the night, where you're feeling like you're so lonely that there'll be so many mums up feeding, feeling the same way as you. Oh, I absolutely love. And I think that's a lovely way to finish actually, Shruti, in the fact that, you know, motherhood can feel lonely, but you are absolutely not doing it on your own. I think the more we can talk about that, the more we can support each other, hopefully, the more new mums will feel that too. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing you your me. <laughs> wisdom um, and helping us on our, our feeding journeys, hopefully. So yeah, thank you so much. It's been wonderful to chat to you, Trudy. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And just the same as I always have to say, because I am a medical healthcare professional, if you're worried about your child, please seek help. This is not a replacement of competent medical advice in person. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. And that's it for another episode. I hope you enjoyed listening. Remember, you can use your exclusive discount code podcast 15 on all my online courses. And why not check out my free mini course while you're there too? If you enjoyed listening to this episode, remember to hit subscribe so you're the first to hear about all the upcoming chats too. And I'd be immensely grateful if you could take a couple of minutes to leave me a quick podcast review too. I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.